such a pleasure talking with you and Ron over the course of the last couple of weeks. I can't wait to uh, see the show, and uh, we will have um, a PSA running here on uh, WHIV promoting uh, promoting the show. So thank you so much, Graham, and we look forward to uh, seeing you very soon. Awesome. We'll see everybody Wednesday. It's a great night of comedy and activism, and you come out and you get involved and you meet other progressives. It's a great night. Thank you so much. We'll be uh, we'll 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 see you then. Thank you so much, Ron. Uh, so, All right, sorry, brother. We'll see you okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, this is 102.3 WHIV. Kenny, do you want to uh, read this real quickly while I get set up? Sure. WHIV is a community radio station. We provide a platform for independent voices with your support. All WHIV hosts and DJs are volunteers. That's right, he doesn't pay us. We do this service for the community (laughs) because now, more than ever, we need a radio station dedicated to human rights and social justice. Consider becoming a monthly member of WHIV by setting up recurring donations of any amount you wish. If you can donate... $1 $1 a month, that's great. If you have the means to donate more, that's amazing too. Or you can help our station by buying a WHIV t-shirt, hoodie, or mug from our online store. Simply go to whivfm.org and click donate or store. Thank you for your continued support. We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station. End all wars. And with that, we're going to be transitioning into our show, Resistance Radio, which we are now one minute late for. When machines and computers, profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people, the giant triplets of racism, extreme materialism, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. George Bush doesn't care about black people. They have a Black History Month, but we don't have a White History Month. Well, all we've ever been taught is white history. If it was not for the love and respect shown to me by black women, those right-wing, ultra-conservative, alt-right haters, they would have me believe I'm too black, I'm too confrontational, I'm too tough, And I'm too disrespectful of them. But now, I know I'm simply a strong black woman. We're in a time where corporations are treated like people and people are treated like things. They promote legislation that attacks voting rights, the poor, LGBT citizens, the immigrant community, and civil rights that are lewd, mean-spirited, and fundamentally contrary to what our democracy is supposed to be about. What is bad is not what they are doing. What would be bad is for us not to fight back. 
Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP FM. You are listening to Resistance Radio. And if you're hearing clattering in the background, you are also listening to, uh, the lovely Kelly, uh, Burke, who not only serves as the treasurer and major financial brains of WHIV, but she's also now our maintenance person. She's doing repair work on our air conditioner in the studio as we're here. I also want to point out how amazing she is that not only is she standing here fixing the air conditioner while we go on air, she's and, doing it in heels. Right. And in while a, standing on a chair right and also uh wearing her professional uh, vp of a major uh, a bank here in <laughs> new orleans uh as with everything else in the world nothing gets done without women that's right uh especially badass women uh, and that is definitely uh the uh the radio station at whiv i often say and i'm sure you will agree uh, uh the the face of whiv is a pretty face but it's run by real like real oh, no, brains i have a better way by, to say it, the by way real brains by no, the, the the major a, female brains i have a much better way to say it. i would say, the way that i say this is that without kelly and liana <laughs> This entire radio station would be Mark Allen sitting at a bar being like, man, I'm really tired of the way the news is. This would be like him drinking in his cups with an idea for Tears a radio dropping. station. <laughs> like this radio station happened because of Kelly. No, yeah, this radio station is the product of two uh, of, a, of a large group of brains. But in particular, uh, thank you to uh, Kelly and to, uh, and to Liana. My name is Mark Allendary. With me as always, handsome uh, and uh, uh, looking, uh, you know, uh, I would say uh, very good. Uh, I can't make fun of anything you know, that so you're wearing you today. Know, people who, recently, people who listen to the show have, have been like, you guys, the whole like making fun of each other their like appearance thing is so ridiculous uh but uh, without question uh, one of the smartest political minds uh, if not in the city of new orleans certainly in the state of louisiana uh that would be uh, my very very close friend kenny francis uh one of the founding members of indivisible nola and certainly somebody i admire greatly kenny once again welcome to resistance radio we took off yeah. last week because of mardi the mardi gras uh festivities uh this time last week we're actually um god where we we saw I, each other on we saw on each Sunday. Other on Sunday. On Monday, I was sleeping. I don't know what you were doing. Yeah, on Sunday, I was. Uh, there was a fundraiser at uh, at uh, Eiffel, uh, <laughs> and uh, we were generating money for WHIV. I was working. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great to be back. Like I said, it's felt like we haven't done a show in a while because we took we a haven't. week off. Um, and excited to jump in today. My my head is like spinning because I have spent the afternoon engrossed in what we're going to talk about, right. and like particularly the science. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah, this it's, is, it's it's very heady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, before we dive right in, because I do want to dive right in, um, I do want to go over the activism updates just to make sure that we cover that because um, there are a few things that are happening this week that folks do need to pay attention to and that are important. Um, the first one being something that's happening that that's going to happen by the time this episode comes out as a podcast. Um, that's going to be tomorrow. That's Tuesday, March twelfth at one thirty p.m. at New Orleans City Hall. Um, this, there's going to be a, a hearing by the city planning commission, um, a public hearing on their newly released staff recommendations for the new short-term rental regulations. Um, so essentially what's happening is that the staff that works for the city planning commission, um, uh, put together some recommendations on what should go into the final ordinance on short-term rentals, which is going to be voted on probably sometime later this spring. Um, and they're having a public hearing to talk about 
and as well as receive public comment on the recommendations that the staff is making to the city planning commission. Once the commission um, approves, if they do approve those recommendations as they as they are written, then those recommendations will go to the city council, and the city council will use those recommendations to make a, a final decision on what the final ordinance on short-term rentals will look like. The broad strokes of what the recommendations say um, is that there's going to be, they recommend that there be two types of short-term rentals. One being a residential residential permit in which you would have to be a valid holder of a homestead exemption. Uh, we've explained on this show before that like what that means is that it would ensure that to get a residential permit, then you would have to essentially be able to prove that you are actually the resident of the home that you are that you're proposing to have Airbnb in, which is how you would get a short term. Um, you cannot hypothetically because there's a lot of arguments about whether or not the enforcement of homestead exemptions is good enough in the city. But the way it's supposed to work is that you cannot get a homestead exemption unless you actually live there. Now, there's a whole lot of people who say that there are homestead exemptions being handed out to places where people don't live, but that's like an enforcement thing. And the thing that I always say is like you can't stop good policy just because like you know enforcement isn't great. Like we shouldn't not make drinking and driving illegal because sometimes people get away with it. Um, and and it's a it's not a bad place to start with homestead no, exemption. No. It's the most obvious first place it's the low-hanging fruit it's, yes. the, it's the if you and i were sitting in that room having to create policy we would probably choose yeah, the homestead it's, exemption it's a, it's a simple well. thing right um the second thing the second type of um rent the second type of um permit that it would allow would be a commercial permit in which you'd be able to get a permit to have a commercial short-term rental in an area that is zoned as commercial in a property that's zoned as commercial um and then the recommendations also asked to leverage those the the giving of those permits to create affordable housing for New Orleanians. So, for example, saying to, let's say, Sonder, one of the biggest companies that does commercial short-term rentals, saying, yeah, you can have a commercial rental in this property that's leveraged, that is um, zoned as commercial, but you also got to make 60% of the units you build for affordable housing. That's a thing that the city council could impose, and that's, that's exactly what they're... Um, that's exactly what they're recommending in, in the recommendations that they're going to talk about tomorrow. So that's hearing. So the, and that just for affordable housing policy mm-hmm. is good policy. I think so. I think. I think. I mean, does that have like long term? Like, is I like think you, you, practices there's shown? Many, there's that, many. There, there's many cities that Seattle's the one that comes to mind immediately. Well, that's not. That a, has, um, I mean, that's not the best example, right? I mean, does but, it, the, but there's many. There's many cities that are exploring. That are exploring this, and many cities that are, that are that, that, okay. that are. Um, they're implementing policies like this. Well, the simple idea is that, like, you can't say – you can't just force developers to build only affordable housing because they're not going to do that because they don't make a lot of money off of that, right? right? Of course. And so the whole idea, which is this is something – this is not a new thing. This is a, a tried-and-true policy um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Lever that people pull right. where essentially you incentivize industry to invest in the public good. So you say, yes, you can build this high-rise whatever you right, want to build, right, right. but in order to get the permits to do that or to get any sort of like investment from the locality, from the city to do that, you must build this thing for the public good. So it could look like you want to build this luxury. The one that comes to mind immediately is at the corner of Esplanade and Rampart. There's two different apartment complexes across the street from each other. One is a very fancy, very expensive one. The one across the street is an affordable housing one. The company that built that 
at the time, the the in order to be able to get the approvals needed to do that, that's what they had to agree to do. They had to agree to build the one that they wanted to build and make money off of, and the one that was going to provide affordable housing. Right now, so I mean, and I don't want to for us. And to so, get- pers- and so pers- and the thing is that personally. The, I would love folks who, who, if anyone's interested in showing up to this, for folks who are interested in showing up to this hearing tomorrow, I would love to see a large chorus of people asking for a one-to-one match. Because what I just described was a one-to-one match of if you're going to get your 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 fancy, expensive, that like it's going to make you money um, building that you want to build with units in it, you also have to build a um, an affordable housing unit for every one of those units. So if you build 100 Units that you want to charge two thousand dollars a month rent for, you got to build a hundred units that are affordable housing. So let me ask you this then. So and and I don't want to go too far off topic because mm-hmm. I know we have to talk about the Green New Deal today. But where are we in American uh, capitalism? In which what does a company deem as being appropriate profits? Right? Because somebody we're going to incentivize a company. Let's say you're going to incentivize a company to do. It is a one to one? Is it a two to one? They're going to want to push for as much well, on put, their wanna, side. Yeah, they're going to put for as little of of little right. And as then possible. one of the things that this reminds me of is the conversation that we talk about when we talk about the American Can Company versus the all the units that are in the CBD right now, which is my neighborhood, right? And all and I love where I live because all these buildings and with all these buildings, you're seeing all the tax credits. And what we have are a lot of affordable housing that are built into these apartments. Uh, but they're only that way for a short period of time, like five yeah. years or seven years. And eventually those are going to flip in the condos. And yeah. eventually what's going to happen is that the face of the CBD is going to change or the, the makeup of the CBD is going to change and I, as well. And personally, I'm, I'm, I'm against and, that. Yeah. So I'm, let me, so here's what I, my question is this, is that what is considered what seven years doesn't mean, doesn't mean. You know, it doesn't well, I, mean squat. Well, I, you know, it like I, I mean, I think it should thing, be lifetime. I don't, right? Yeah, I don't think you put sunset provisions in. That's there we go. Okay, so like, that's what I'm asking. The American Can is the best example we can think of, right? Yes. There was a sunset right. provision where they had to build a certain amount of those units in the American Can that were affordable housing. I think it was 15 years, and they literally kicked those people out the on day like 15 of, years right? in one day. <laughs> right, right. The day that's of. not cool. That's that's, right. not, that's affordable not affordable housing. housing that's right? not sustainable, livable, affordable right. housing. Right. That's so, a short term fix. That's right. what that is. So, and and that's and we need to be asking. We need to be demanding, not and that so like, level of affordable and so housing. So to, to right? bring the, to bring this all home and to make us move on, and we can continue to debate about affordable housing, short term rentals, another time on another episode. I would say if you're going to go to this meeting tomorrow, 1.30, that's Tuesday, um, March 12th, 1.30 p.m. in City City Hall, the thing that I would ask for is I would ask for the City Planning Commission to include in their recommendations a one-to-one match of building um, commercial um, units and affordable housing units with no sunset provisions in them at all. Disco. There we go. Okay, um, and is the just real quickly is the one at Rampart and that you just said and Esplanade does the, is the building across the way is that going to eventually sunset? Or? I actually don't know. I don't know. So that's a good. Yeah. So these are good questions to ask. Yeah. All right. So we have to talk about the green deal. Um, so, th- so there's just yes. two two other things. Um, on Wednesday, March thirteenth, at nine a.m. at Five Hundred Porges, that's the the courthouse. Um, the residents of Gordon Plaza are have their are having a day in court, a federal court, in their suit against the city to be mo- to to be justly. Um, compensated and have what has been an historical and continuing abhorrent wrong that they've been living on a toxic wasteland that that's toxic waste dump that the city put them on and that people are literally dying. 
Um, and fo- they're asking for folks to come out and support them and pack the courtroom and show that the community really does care about this and that it's long, long, long past time that these people have had this this incredible wrong justly right, fixed. Right. Um, the last thing I would say um, is there is an event happening this Saturday that's March 16th. I know most people are probably going to St. Patrick's Day Parade, but it's after the parade. It's at 4 p.m. on the Lafitte Greenway. Um, there's an event happening called Sazerac's Against Surveillance, where essentially it's a happy hour. Hold on, where Sa- Sazerac's, Sazerac's Against, against Surveillance. Sur- How did I miss this one? So basically, <laughs> it's it's a, a group is they are um, mapping the surveillance cameras along the Lafitte Greenway. We've talked about the surveillance cameras in, in the past, and there's going to be sort of like a happy hour happening. Um, and the whole point of it is to start continue to map the the surveillance cameras that keep popping up, that they keep not explaining who has access to it, what they're using it for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also where they are. The city still isn't consistently telling folks where they're putting them up. And so groups like this have to like physically go out and find them and create a map of it. That's and, right. And they're doing it on grassroots. If anybody from the like who is involved with the security cameras in the city like is, listens to our show – if you want the public to like try to even kind of understand what you're doing, we need some transparency. Tell us who has access to the cameras. One. Two, tell us how you're paying for this. Because that's another thing that's very vague about how this is getting paid for. Three, tell us why why is it that you can't simply just tell us where all of them are? That like for me, it's like if if there if there isn't nefarious things happening to this, if there isn't sort of like any sort of malicious intent, this is not going to be used to like lock up more black people, and it's generally about safety, and it's genuinely for the it reasons that transparent. they say. Then it should be transparent. For me, you have nothing to hide if That's this right. is supposedly a public good. That's right. So stop hiding behind vague statements and give us some transparency and some answers. Yeah, absolutely. Where in the Lafitte Greenway is it? It doesn't say, but I will make sure when I post. This episode, I post the location of that. If you're tuning in, you are listening to Resistance Radio. My name is Mark Allendary. That's Kenny Francis. And we are very happy to be also streaming live on uh, 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 WBOK. I was thinking, what's the 12.50? It's 12.50. 12.30. AM. 12.30 AM WBOK. Uh, it's been a while since uh, <laughs> since we made that announcement. Uh, and we are also uh, happy. Our podcasts are available also on uh, our website as well, which is whivfm.org, as well as uh, the Apple Store, as well as the Google Play. Store. And Spotify. And Spotify, wow. Yeah, wow, it's on Spotify. I listen to it on Spotify. Do you? I listen yeah. to it on my phone. Um, so yeah, you can subscribe to it as like a playlist on Spotify, which is great. Um, yeah. I think it's, it makes it a lot easier for folks. And when I make jokes, uh, do you laugh at them a second time when you listen on Spotify? No, <laughs> definitely don't. I don't laugh the first time. Um, Not true. So with that, I'm going to make us jump into our topic for today. So today, um, what we're doing is we're going to be doing a deep dive into the Green New Deal which has become the conservatives in this country like new thing to scream socialism and and, and like it's and, a new punching bag. It's a new punching bag. Um we did an episode like this a couple of weeks back, maybe like 2 months ago now, um on marginal tax rates because that was the boogeyman at the time. Right. Um and we got a lot of really good feedback that we gave a good explanation of it and so like what I want to do is I want to make this sort of like a consistent thing that we do that like when when appropriate and when it 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 seems relevant to take sort of these ideas that we're hearing from progressive voices that the right and the conservatives and the moderates in the country try to make these like boogeymen about socialism that they're unrealistic and that they're the ideas that people don't understand are governed and actually talk about them in ways that are, are realistic of what they actually say and what they're actually trying to do and the context behind it. Cause like as anyone who listens to that marginal tax rate, um, 
episode that we did, if you listen to just the media around it, marginal tax rates sound like they're just trying to take everyone's money and they're going to take 70% of our dollars away from us. And then you actually get into what actual marginal tax rate may, may, what a marginal tax rate means. A, it makes sense. B, it's a, it happened for most of American history before we changed it with Reagan. And D, it's not crazy. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do today with the with the new Green Deal, which, like um, Mark Allen said, has become the, the new punching bag for not just the conservatives, but many in the Democratic Party who are the old guard. Um, and so with that, though, I want to first sort of like back up a little bit and we're going to do a little bit of like a history, a history, a history slash science um, lesson about climate change. So there's been several reports a lot of science behind this um the science is undeniable and has been for quite some time um since the industrial revolution began up until now what we have been doing is we have been creating um we have been burning fossil fuels for our energy through cars through factories airplanes airplanes etc 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 basically every sort industry. of industry every sort of like piece of technology we use um, and that has been burning fossil fuels and that has been putting carbon into our atmosphere. And what it has been doing is it has been creating essentially what many would know as the greenhouse effect, where the carbon has been trapping all of this heat and all of this energy and these emissions in our atmosphere, which is causing our global temperature to rise. So far, the global temperature has rise over one degree Celsius, which is almost two and a half degrees Fahrenheit. And what we have started and those to small fluctuations have massive, massive, ripples. massive, massive ripples. And what we have started to see is we have started to see the effects of climate change on our communities. For example, hurricane season is longer than it ever has been before. And the storms are stronger than they have ever been before. Ask anybody who lives in Texas, Florida, Louisiana, and or in the Gulf about the last couple of years and how scary that's been. Um, things like tornadoes happening in New Orleans is, is happening now. That never happened before. Fire things like, season in California. Ask anybody, ask anybody who lives in Long Island on New York if Sandy. New York's ever gotten a, a hit like a storm like Sandy before. Right. Ask anyone who lives in California about the wildfires and the absurd droughts well, that they're having. They're not raking All enough. of this, all like the tsunami the tsunami that happened in India a couple of years ago. Or all of these things are not normal Puerto events. Puerto Rico. They're the new normal right. because we did this. But all of these things have did not happen over the course of history at the frequency or the severity they happened. And they're continuing to get worse, and they're going to continue to get worse as our environment becomes more unstable as the temperature rises. And so what scientists have said is that in 2015, most of the developed countries in the world signed what was known as the Paris Climate Agreement. What that agreed was that every developed nation was going to commit to doing inside of their country and inside of their economies what they needed to do to reduce their carbon emissions to ensure that the world temperature does not increase more than two degrees Celsius. The problem with that is that's not good enough to fix the problem. And we knew that at the time, but 2% is what we could get everybody to agree to. In order to start reducing and reverse the effects of climate change that has started to happen and it is continuing to happen and to continue to worsen, we need to keep it at 1.5% or lower than that. But here's the rub, folks. The rub is that the time in which simply reducing carbon emissions would start would solve that problem has passed. Full stop. We have passed the point where reducing carbon emissions is going to have the effect that it needs to start to reverse the effects we've had on our environment. At this point, 
we not only need to reduce carbon emissions, we need to remove carbon from our atmosphere. To make any meaningful long-term changes. To make any sort of meaningful, because basically what the science says is we have between now and 2050 to reduce our carbon emissions levels to zero or it's game over. And when I say game over, I mean catastrophic environmental changes. And I'm talking about rising sea levels to the point where Louisiana doesn't exist anymore because Louisiana is part of the Gulf. Right. And to, and to be clear, and I think what uh, what Kenny is saying, uh, and, and to put it in different terms, that we are talking about the end of uh, human uh, existence, quite frankly. I, 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 I don't see... Uh, and, and I asked Kenny, as Kenny and I were prepping for this show, uh, to look up uh, the five previous uh, extinctions. And there are some, uh, uh, some thoughtful intellectuals that believe that we are in the sixth extinction. And we are seeing the sixth ex- extinction right now in which the globe is going to do fine. Right, the globe is going to be fine. This third star from the sun, or uh, it's going to be, or this third planet from the sun is going to do just fine. If humanity wipes itself out, that will be fine. There'll be some hard reset, and then evolution and and carbon and and uh, in matter is going to reorganize itself, and, that's and a- then it's going to ultimately reestablish some patterns of life on Earth, like happened the last extinction, and- which was sixty five million years ago. And that's that's a very important point that I. Don't- don't think people make enough that people i think that like climate change is like you said it's not about the earth because in a lot of ways what we have done to um there there is a way to look at this that the effects that climate change is having on our communities is the earth sort of trying to get rid of the problem the problem is the man-made um emissions that we're putting into the atmosphere that are unnatural and that are that are that that are not naturally occurring. That they're they're caused by mankind and our technology and the, and our way of life and the storms and all the environmental changes that lead to loss of life and property for humans. There's a there's an argument to be made that the Earth is sort of like trying to correct and get rid of the problem. The problem right. being humans. Humans, yes, of course. And so, like to the point you're making is that like if we don't fix this. The Earth will be fine because we will be gone, right? Yeah, and it yeah. will self-correct, right? Right. To a large degree, so the Earth is like, all right, uh, humans are are not doing a good job here. Uh, hang on, Kelly. Hang on one second. Humans aren't doing a great job, uh, and uh, we're going to have to get rid of, of of the pimple that is the uh, wound on the uh, on the face of the Earth, and that are humans. Before we continue, I just want to give a big uh, thank you to uh, Kelly uh, Burke, who uh, came out of her corporate job uh, in her. And her professional work to come directly to the booth and fix our air conditioning while we were all on air, standing on chairs, cleaning filters, in heels. In heels. Dude, is the little great thing? Uh, are we going to just do that later? Or the little fan thing? Uh, and uh, yeah, well, you can switch it how you want. All right, all right. So hey, all right, Kelly. All right, cool. Uh, that being said, uh, Kenny, did you want? I wanted you, you feel much more comfortable here. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Kelly. <laughs> um, and so. To put this simply, y'all, we have already missed one chance because if we had started paying attention to this decades ago, when the science first started, we did. when the science first started to um, show to show illustrate this. and show it very clearly what was happening, then simply reducing, simply like moderating our emissions would have worked. But we've passed the point where we can simply moderate. 
the type, uh, the way that we're burning um, non-renewable energies like coal. Game's over for right. that. Right. All, simply, all extraction industries need to go away. We can't do it right. anymore. Like, and the other thing that we can no longer escape is there was a time where we could do this, quote unquote, affordably. That time is also gone. <laughs> this is going to be an incredibly expensive problem to fix like nothing we have ever seen before as a society or mankind and that's just where we're at folks right and and get used to it get used to it this is going to cost a whole lot of money so what you're going to start to hear as the green new deal moves from where it is right now where it's simply an aspirational um resolution that was written by um alexander ocasio-cortez and i'm forgetting the representative mark markle and representative Markey. Um, right now, it's just it's a resolution that lays out basically a platform for folks to then build out policy and legislation from. And what you're going to start to hear is how do we pay for this? And the answer is who it cares? doesn't matter. Right. We have to figure who, it out, or everyone dies. Right, right, right. So there's it's that simple now, right. folks. So let me just make two great two quick points before we continue. And if you're tuning in, you're listening to Resistance Radio. This is WHIV. I'm Mark Allendary. That's Kenny Francis. So thank you for everybody. WBOK for streaming our our stream uh, live. Um, I also want to make two very important points. One uh, that is um, has to do with climate change, and that is from an infectious diseases perspective, we are going to see worsening of infectious diseases because the ecological niches, so the, the spaces that viruses, bacteria, vectors, mosquitoes, fleas, things that, that typically that we say that carry disease, those niches are going to change and, uh, and, and allow more organisms the opportunity to infect humans. And we're starting to see that as we're seeing diseases that are typically uh, associated with Southern Hemisphere, we're starting to see them creep further and further and migrate northward as the temperatures are getting warmer. So that's just something to consider. And you're going to see mutations in these organisms as well. The other thing I want to say, too, about speaking about the Green New Deal is that one of the things about the Green New Deal that makes it so remarkable is that it's steeped so deeply in social justice. And that's one of the things that I think you're going to see us talk about. Um, one thing I want to add is just about the climate change science in general is like I've said several times already that we're past the point where simply limiting emissions is going to have the effect that we need to have. Um, there's some really, really good graphs out there that show that in order to cut the emissions um, to the point where we, that we need to, it would basically require stopping everything. Like that's that's where we're at right now, which is why you're going to hear people start continue to say that we're past the point where simply reducing solves the problem because – the precipitous and just like sharp, just straight down decline that we would have to do to reduce admissions is simply not feasible in by like any stretch of the imagination without basically shutting down human activity for the next like 25 years. And so what scientists have realized and what scientists are starting to push is this idea that not only do we have to reduce and eventually work our way to getting to a zero a zero emission, a zero um, carbon emission, um, just like world, environment, environment, yeah, world. Um, we also have to actively remove carbon. Well, from that, the, that, that's where you and I, I think, I, I, that is a where a lot of research about that. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent about that. And I knew that we we started talking about that conversation. What Kenny's essentially talking about is this this fledgling new science that is as of yet untested. I think it's worthy of talking about. I think it's incredibly... I think that the next billion-dollar industry is not going to be in tech. 
but it's going to be climate change oriented and it's going to be how to make the world a better place to live in as a result of climate. And some of it is, as Kenny was starting to say, is some of these really manipulating nature and environment in ways that are completely unprecedented. I do, I do, want, to, I do want to clarify one thing. The many different ways that people would go about it is what's unproven yes, and what is in yes, question. Yes, what yes. is not in question is, is the necessity of removing is it. Is the necessity of yes, removing I'm with it. The you way on we that. go about it, the implementation, agree with is you. up for much, 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 much debate. But what is not up for de- debate is that we are at a point where in order to solve this problem, part of the solution must be the active removal of yeah. carbon from so our So let me give you atmosphere. let me give you a, a an example. If you're trying to lose weight, you could either go and get a liposuction or you could change what your diet looks like and the amount of exercise you put into it. Sure, liposuction may give you immediate results, but changing your diet, changing your intake, changing your exercise patterns will lead to l- probably more long-lasting, uh, sustainable yes. changes. Well, well, and, so, point- and it's not a great analogy, but I think it's an analogy that at least get us started. But I think even going with that analogy, they both have to happen. Because like, if you imagine someone that weighs, say, 600 pounds, and they do diet, exercise, etc., and they lose a whole ton of weight, at some point, which usually happens, there's a surgery right, there's, to remove excess fat because you've passed the point where simply diet and exercise is going to fix your problem. And that's, that's where that's we're at, with, fair, the, that's that's where we're at with, the, with, yes. with the environment. It's like, yes, we need to do the diet and exercise. We need to change our ways. But we're past the point where that's going to fix the problem by that itself. We are, and, 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 I know, and let's start talking about the Green New Deal, but sure. I just want to take a second just to be like, the, the future of humanity is going to look back at us and be so angry at us. They the future of, if there is a future of humanity when when we see massive water shortages or when people are dying of non-vaccinatable illnesses or once previously vaccinatable illnesses are now no longer able to be covered with vaccines and we're seeing massive measles outbreaks or uh, 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 diphtheria or dengue or what have you. The world, future generations are going to hate us and, and, it's just something to to consider. And when and when and in your research, Kane, did you first of all did you find out what the countries were that were the most the the ones that are responsible for, for the most carbon? In- it's it's the countries that that have the, it's the countries that did all the colonizing. Um, it's most of the, most of Europe, China, India, and us. And actually, Shocked. speaking of us, we're actually responsible for twenty percent of the overall. And we have like five, and we have five percent of the world's population. Mm-hmm. And we have twenty percent of, uh, of, of of we've caused twenty percent of the problem with five percent of the population. Yeah, and I think we also have twenty five percent of the incarcerated population on the globe as yes, well. Yes, we do. Um, <laughs> Go America! And so, as we get into the the actual res- the actual resolution um, of the Green New Deal itself, a um, couple things, and I'm going to ask you to do something you did when we talked about this before, where I want to re mention what I said before: is this is going to be expensive, y'all? This is going to be expensive to the tune of like with a T trillions of dollars probably tens if not hundreds of trillions of dollars like it we're not even close to getting sort of like a um a bill on what this would cost but it's going to cost money that we've only ever gotten close to with the military with, with the military or with where it gets 
part of it's borrowed the name from. It's called the Green New Deal. Oh, for with the a oh reason. with the New Deal. I see and where you're going. The reason why it's called the Green New Deal is is with the New Deal, and and I'll I'll talk about that for a quick second. But I, let me just because I think the point that you're making is so incredibly important. The only place where there's the largest amount of money that goes in the American budget is the only jobs program which exists in the U.S., and that is the military. The military is without question the largest jobs program. I don't think it's a good jobs program, but it is the jobs program that we have, especially when we're talking about lower income uh, communities because the military is the only place for individuals to turn. We're going to need to take that money and divert it into uh, issues around the Green New Deal. And people's heads are going to literally explode with the idea that money is being diverted away uh, from uh, the military. And God forbid uh, the first quote-unquote terrorist attack that occurs as a result of that we're going to hear the screaming and the boohooing as a result of that but if we don't do this we will not survive the green new deal was something that came out of i'm sorry the the new deal was something that came out of uh the depression franklin d roosevelt was president at that time and was uh, desperately searching for uh, a uh, a mechanism uh, or some a form stimulus, of a stimulus. Thank you. I was looking for the right word. I was going with opportunities. Stimulus is perfect. Thank you for stimulating my brain with that. You smile. Okay, now I want you to laugh at that joke again. <laughs> uh, there was a stimulus, uh, and that stimulus to come out of the Great Depression took the form of a massive, massive jobs program. It also took the form of Medicare as well as Social Security. We'll get to that in a second. But with the jobs program, it basically took these millions of men, and these were men at the time, obviously the world was different, uh, and these took millions of men and put them to work doing amazing things that a hundred years later we are still paying tribute to, and that is- building the Hoover Dam. They built the Hoover Dam. They built parks. They built- Greenways. They built all the public spaces that we enjoy right now, the forests that we see, and they also built transportation. To uh, interrupt you for one second, hey there, um, all of the people. What are the, those people called that don't believe in government? I'm blanking on Oh, the now. libertarians. Hey there, libertarians. <laughs> that's where all the things came from. Right. Government investment. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, go ahead. And government largesse, all right? And the, the and let me just say that the originating, uh, the origins of Medicare, here, pay attention to this because I want you to pay attention. The origins of Medicare and of Social Security are important because the only folks that were able to access Medicare do you know about this? The only folks that were able to access Medicare and Social Security were basically white men to start, and then it became white men and women. And then after, of course, because nothing in America comes without massive fights, then ultimately communities of color were ultimately wrapped into And then it became the- welfare queens. Then it became other. It's the, the the metamorphosis. The evolution just continues. Yeah. But just to summarize it real quickly, these programs were so popular and so successful. I just want to remind everybody that FDR was voted in three times after his first election. He was reelected three times because that was how popular he was. And what they ended up doing was having to make a rule that you cannot run for president more, more than, than, than you can only serve two terms. And the funny thing is that he only didn't get a fifth time because he died. Right. The only time he didn't get a fifth, the only reason, <laughs> yeah. that's the only reason it stopped. Right. It's because he died, it's because he got polio. Right. And then he was infirm for a while. No, and I then, think he had polio. Well, yeah, but his, he, his he, polio got worse. Right, post polio. He was polio, in a wheelchair. Right. He eventually like, was pretty infirm. Right. And like for 
the last like three, maybe like that whole last term that he was alive, Eleanor Roosevelt actually ran the country. We just didn't all say anything about it. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it only didn't happen a fifth time because he died. And also, just real quickly, just because I think it's fascinating, um, that did you know that the media of the time never took pictures of him in yeah, a wheelchair? Yeah, it was a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing that they that did not exude strength of him being in a wheelchair. So there was always pictures of him behind the desk or him kind of prop him up, a, prop him up on, a, on, a, on a podium so as to exude the strength and how the media at that time, imagine a TMZ, like, yeah. you know, imagine some entity respecting that now, Fox News. You know, I was, I, I was, that uh, I took this great trip to DC. I'll tell you about it later. But at the African American Museum, there's this huge picture of uh, the Obamas uh, uh, doing the fist bump. Remember? And I kept and after he was just about to give his speech, she was introducing him at one of the conferences, and they gave each other this fist bump. It was an amazing moment of seeing the president and, and his wife just bonding. And I couldn't help but think what Fox News is. Do you remember what they called it? The terrorist fist bump. Oh wow. <laughs> Right, well, his middle name is Hussein. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jesus. Anyways, Green New Deal. It's seeped in. It's steeped in social justice. Yes. Um. And so, getting into it. Um. So, it's a 14-page document. If you haven't read it, I actually encourage you to read it. It's actually pretty accessible in terms of like being written in an understandable legible. way, right. or not legible. Um, but, and yeah. it's not like super jargony or wonky. It's, it's actually like pretty plain language. Um. So it, it consists of pretty simply uh, a preamble, five goals in it, 14 projects, and 15 requirements. It's only 14 pages. Um, so basically the way it starts is it starts by naming the problem and it talks about how global warming and climate change is caused by human production and was caused by the way that we have, the way that we have operated since the industrial revolution. Um, and it lists out some of the major things that, um, have been identified that will be the effects of global warming and climate change if we do not reverse them, including more than 500 trillion, that's with a T, Trillion dollars lost in annual income output from the United States by the year of 2100, by the end of this century. Um, wildfires that by 2050 will annually burn at least twice as much forest area in the western United States than is typically burned by wildfires. So that's, that's basically saying that California is not going to be a thing anymore, specifically northern California. Um, a loss of 99% of all coral reefs on Earth, the entire planet. Um, more than 350 million people being exposed being exposed to globally deadly heat stress by 2050. A risk of damage to to one trillion dollars of public infrastructure and coastal real estate in the United States. That and that's just like that's just what they included. Also, I want to get I want to keep making this really personal for folks. If we do not solve this problem, folks in Louisiana, Louisiana will not be a thing. Maybe Shreveport will make it. Maybe. But Shreveport like will be uh, the like New Orleans certainly won't be here. New Orleans will be the one of the first New ones. Orleans, to, Miami. We're, we're right we're right after the Grand Isle. Grand Isle's first, then it's us. Right. Most of Louisiana won't be a thing. Most of Louisiana years will from now. Most of Louisiana will be part of the Gulf of Mexico. Right. If we don't do this. So like for folks that try to deny this in this state specifically it is ri- utterly right. ridiculous because right. it's not like there are parts of this country, parts of this world that it, it will take generations to affect. And that and, and there are some people who have an inability to think like that for folks in Louisiana to deny climate change is happening is baffling because we're not talking about generation. We're talking about your children, your children, the kids being born right now. Like if you care about your children, they are not going to have a state to live in by the time they are Mark Allen's age. If we don't solve this problem. 
So this problem, particularly for the Gulf and for the South and for any any sort of like um, coastal communities, this problem is so real that there is no space for any debate at all about this. Let me ask you this. Why do you think – well, first of all, did you see Diane Feinstein? We didn't talk about it on the show. Did you see – why do you think? Why do you think? Uh, can he just shoot away that that statement? We're not, um, going, we're not going there. But no, no, no. But it's it's important because it, it it's reflective of this. Why do you think that there's this gross denial? Like, what is it about? Do you think that? It, it, you know, I understand from politicians they get paid. To I be think that it's way. like anything else. But do you think it's just too big of a project? I think it's like literally anything else that people deny that are like problems in our society is that there are people who pretend that these things don't exist because they don't they don't think it doesn't a doesn't apply to them or they don't care. America has this this like society wide problem with um, exceptional not understanding like what delayed gratification is like we're unable to look forward and make plans that makes sense that are actual investments in the future because like it's the same question like why do people still like deny that like early childhood education is important and we need to invest in that why do people still deny that police are shooting black people even though it's on we can watch it on our phones every day because it happens that often like why do people deny anything that's wrong because they don't care because they're short-sighted because they're getting really bad information because education's poor in this country all the reasons so, why it's so easy to dupe our populace to consistently voting in against, against their, their own interests. interests. And like I always say, uh, you know, America's defined. I mean, it's the, same, it's the same reason how, like, right now we're having a measles outbreak. Right. A now, measles outbreak was, in 2019. Right. right. I was in what D- is happening? I was in D.C. last week and went on a radio program and talked about, basically, we were looking at anti-vaxxers. And they called the show Anti-Vaxxers, the Vector of Denial, which I thought was a brilliant. Uh, and uh, these are college-educated people. Doing that. These are college-educated people, but what we kept coming up with is when you look at people who are anti-vaxxers, are the same people, not the same people, but there is that same sense of climate deniers or gun violence deniers. There, there's something about the American psyche that allows people to just not acknowledge something that ultimately is going to hurt us all. Yeah, you're right. Um, I want to I want to get back to like going through some of like the details of it, and so I think another thing that it does um, is, as you said, like really well, this the Green New Deal isn't just about the environment. It's uh, this, when you read this document, it's a document that's like essentially at its core is about justice and investment and about equity. It is it's dripping with equity. It's from, got so from, much social justice in um, it. <laughs> even even when it talks about um, when it goes past just like climate change, it says the United States is also currently experiencing several related crises with life expectancy, life expectancy declining while basic needs such as clean air and clean water and healthy food and adequate health care, housing, transportation and education are inaccessible to significant portions of the population that we have a four-decade trend of wage stagnation and deindustrialization and anti-labor policies that has led to hourly wages overall stagnating since the 70s despite increased worker productivity, that we have the third worst level of socioeconomic mobility in the developed world, that the erosion of earning and bargaining power of workers in the United States, that we have inadequate resources for public sector workers to confront the challenges that we're facing. We have the greatest income income equality since the 1920s. The top 1% of earners are accruing 91% of gains in the first few years of economic recovery after our recession in 2008. Say, say that again. Say that statistic that is, again. That is a fact. Right. The top 1% of earners in this country are accruing 91% of the gains that our economy has started to see since the 2008 crash, which, by the way, they caused. 
Yeah, well, they got richer. I mean, if you think about it from that perspective, yeah. it was a good thing for them. That was a good business deal for them. And so what it then goes on to do is it goes to lay out five big goals. The first goal is to achieve a net zero greenhouse gas emissions through a fair and just transition for all communities and workers, which I was what I was talking about before, that we need to get to a place where we are not emitting um, green greenhouse gas emissions like carbon um, by 2050 or it's game over for us. Um, I think a thing that this document goes into some specifics on is that the effects that we're that we start to see, that we've already started to see are hurting marginalized communities and what the, what the document calls borderline communities. So communities such as communities of color, where who are the first people that are going to wash away? The people living in the ninth ward, the people living in areas that they can't afford to live on the higher ground that aren't going to get washed away. Who are the people that are dying out in California? The people who can't afford to leave their homes. Or were they building a new power plant in New Orleans? Exactly. Which, by the way, that power plant isn't going to meet any of the standards laid out in the Green New <laughs> I'm Deal. I'm shocked. So, like, I'm hey, shocked. New Orleans, if we spend several hundred million dollars on this power plant, we're going to be in trouble with the federal government if this passes. Yeah, and let me also say again that th- what party is, is promoting the Green New Deal? The, the Democratic Party. Yeah. And who are uh, our, health, our commissioners that are on city council? Supposedly Democrats, right? They're all Democrats. Yeah. So not um, even, not even, not even following the party's platforms. Yes, and we're definitely going to get come back to the energy plant edit. We're, we have a couple episodes in two weeks. On that. Yeah, yeah. She, um, she confirmed. And so the the other thing that that I wanted to point out is that it also another another community that folks are thinking about are the communities that are affected by the change, right? Like part of the reason that we have Trump is that we have done nothing about the fact that we've said we need to get rid of coal, but we haven't found a way to re-educate and give new and find new jobs and find new lives for the coal miners that for that basically killed themselves and their dads killed themselves Black to, lung disease. to to create this industry that ultimately killed their community and they was like, oh by the way, you're bad people for doing that and like good luck finding new jobs and retraining yourselves. So I think one of the things that like this document calls out is that we have to when we do this, we can't just like switch it and like leave those people with the bill again. We have to find a way to A protect them, B re educate them and retrain. C put them retrain and put them back to work in sustainable, livable jobs yes. that allow them to take care of themselves. And let me also say that Pramila Jayapal's uh, Medicare for All bill, because I was with the folks that wrote that bill last week in D.C., there was also a large provision that also retrains everybody that's in the insurance companies, everybody that is is going to be out of a job as a result for Medicare for All. One to two percent of the total bill that's going to pass will go into retraining, and they said that's well more than enough to retrain everybody that's involved. So this is an important point. And so to the point that we're making, the second goal of the Green New Deal is to create millions of good high-wage jobs and ensure prosperity and an economic security for all people in the United States. Um, the third goal of the of the Green New Deal is to invest in the infrastructure industry of the United States to sustainably meet the challenges of the 21st century. And to get into some specifics of what that looks like, that looks like things like projects on the scale of the Hoover Dam. We're talking about projects where, for one thing, is something we're eventually going to have to do is every building in this country needs to stop using natural gas. Every single one of them. We have to move to a place where... The answer might be to have it all be electric, but we cannot continue to do natural gas to heat our heat and to heat our homes. That has to change, and that we have to retrofit. We have to fix the millions and millions and millions and millions upon the buildings that are dependent on that, including the one we're currently sitting in. And that has to change, and that's going to require 
lots and lots of dollars to do that. Right. Um, we're going to have to invest in things like cars, gas, no more. Gone. No more gas cars. That's going to have to not be a thing within the next 30 years. Right. Um, so we're talking about investments on that level. Like right. That- which, which also speaks to the importance of essentially, and let me kind of wrap it back to a mm-hmm. local thing, how how the mayor, for example, is doing the fair share and, and, and tax and taxation and re and, and what what is happening on the local level we need to do on the national level as well. Mm-hmm. Where's all this money going to come from? All this money is there. People just need to recognize that we need to reclaim that money. Remember when the New Deal happened and America was essentially built and FDR was reelected three times after his first term, the marginalized tax rates on the highest earners was 90%. That means after, I think, the first $10 million, you were taxed at 90%. And that's how we paid for it. And that was how we paid for these things to get done. We can pay for it that way again because those people have more money than ever. Right. So it's so important. And when you see mainstream media, right, when you see the regular media, MSNBC, CNN, God forbid, Fox News and these other places, all they're trying to do is they are all owned by industries that are either war making industries that requires extraction industries to fuel quite literally those industries. Or you are looking at people that are actually that are extraction owning industries that own that media. They want things to be the same. And to your point, one of my favorite things about the Green New Deal, it's not in the document, but it's been in the talking points that AOC has been saying as she has been talking about it is that when this eventually goes to a committee that that's going to be created to start to flesh this out, um, what she has demanded is that nobody, Democrat, Republican, or otherwise, who has accepted money from the fossil fuel industry can sit on that committee. And that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. That is amazing. Right. Watch how uh, how quickly they're going to try oh, it too. There's a lot of there's a lot of people who really hated that. Right. She, oh, of course. Yes. I mean, she even is, people who signed on to this were like, whoa, 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 whoa. What should be about that? Right. Right. I mean, because they are obviously. I mean, the thing that we certainly I do bitch about quite regularly on this show is the uh, deleterious or the negative effects that money has on politics. And I think for me, the number, uh, the two things that that are going to change our society. One is dealing with climate change, obviously, and two is dealing with money and politics. And we're not going to get to climate change until we're able to remove money from politics. And so before we start to run out of time, I do want to get to the last two goals, which are sort of like aspirational and national, but I think they bear reading. Um, goal number four is to secure, secure for all people in the United States for generations to come, clean air and clean water, which should be a given. Um, yeah, climate- I ask Flint. Climate and community resiliency, healthy food, access to nature, and a sustainable environment. And the last goal is to promote justice and equity by stopping current, preventing future, and repairing historic oppression of indigenous peoples, communities of color, migrant communities, deindustrialized communities, depopulated rural communities, the poor, low-income workers, women, the elderly, the unhoused, people with disabilities, and youth. What? I I almost cried reading (laughs) that. Um, it's a highly aspirational document. It's a highly, it's an, I think it's, I think it's it's doable. It's a, well, that's aspiration is not a bad thing. Right. Um, it is a very progressive document. It is a document that lays out just what the scope of this problem is and just what it's going to take to solve this problem. Um, 
And like I said, like for folks that say it's unreal, for folks that are already saying this, unrealistic. Or the green dream, like Nancy Pelosi That's irrelevant. Like Nancy Pelosi is going to be dead in like 20 years. The rest of us are going to follow her not soon after if we don't do something about this. Yeah, you're right. Um, And so I would highly, highly, highly encourage folks to read it for themselves. Like I said, it's only 14 pages. Um, And it is steeped in social justice. It is steeped in social justice. It is... Um, it's also extremely, it's, it's very aspirational and it's also very accessible. It's right. not written in a way right. that's like it's hard to legal ease. Like it is plain language, right. um, that folks can understand and you can read, you can see these are the things that need to happen. And to put, frankly, this needs to be the platform for anyone that wants to put a D in front of their name for 2020 full stop. Right. So just, you know, just so that we understand, I just want to kind of quickly go over the basics as well. So just we're talking about a document that promotes renewable energy and demands it. We're talking about a document that demands a smart grid. We're talking about a document that demands energy efficiency. We're talking about a document that changes transportation. And this whole thing about uh, making planes illegal or, you know, these ridiculous talking points, it's just that that there are better ways of getting around and we can do it. We need to do it with low-tech solutions. We need to really acknowledge that climate change is happening. And we need need to do it all with understanding that labor laws are, are, are needing to uh, become uh, more just. We're, we're, we're looking at uh, multiple things as providing higher education, f- focusing on unions, focusing on better trade deals, uh, focusing on indigenous communities, focusing on health care, housing security, clean air, water, healthy food uh, and nature, and essentially just basically making the world a better place because the people ahead of us screwed it up really, really, really bad. And like all things, we are the ones that, especially when you're dealing with a capitalist society, it focuses on those that are interested in non-capitalism or the less capitalist uh, uh, endeavors to actually go through and clean up what people have done. They've enjoyed their greed. They've enjoyed their riches. And now it's time for folks like us that have consciousness uh, and that are socially awoke to actually go out there and actually fix stuff for the generations that are after us. And then. I do want, before we run out of time, I do want to point out, because one of the things I love, which is why I keep using the word aspirational, is that beyond all of the really, really great um, policy ideas in here about creating a zero carbon emission society that is purely based on renewable energy um, and sustainable energy, it also puts in there um, some pretty great things that um, that it includes that some folks might view as like tertiary or just like lanyap. Um, but it does like slip in some things in there, like, um, guaranteeing a job with a family sustaining wage, um, that, that you can have adequate family disability and leave and paid vacations and retirement security for all people. So that's literally a job guarantee. It also includes, um, the right to strengthening and protecting the right of all workers to organize, unionize, and collectively bargain free of coercion, intimidation, and harassment. So full-on right to unionize there. Enacting and enforcing trade rules, procurement standards, and border adjustments with strong labor and environmental protections to stop through transfer jobs and pollution overseas and to grow domestic manufacturing in the United States. So that's a liberal trade regime. And then... There's there's one that's stopping monopolies in there, and then my favorite one it says providing all members of society with high quality health care, affordable, safe, and adequate housing, economic security, and access to clean air, water, and healthy and affordable for nature, which is 
to throw it in at the end there, universal basic income right. and universal housing. Right. I love it. Social justice. Next week, we're going to be doing Movement Mondays at the uh, Ace Hotel. Please come out and see our us. guest will be. Gloria Searson. We're going to be talking about HIV and hepatitis C. The week after that, we're going to be having Logan uh, Atkinson uh, on from uh, the uh, Alliance for Affordable Energy. To talk about that power plant. That's right. That and, is the opposite of the Green New Deal. And coming up next is uh, uh, Mega Music Mondays. Thank you guys so much. This is The Police. One World is Enough.